A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. When the Pharisees learned that Jesus had left the Sadducees speechless, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, attempted to trip Jesus up with this question. Teacher, which commandment of the law is the greatest? Jesus answered, You will love the Most High God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. That is the greatest and first commandment. The second is like it. You will love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments, the whole law is based, and the prophet says well. The good news of salvation. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. It was just an accident that I turned and actually looked at a lawyer when I mentioned that it was a lawyer that was trying to trip up Jesus. <laughs> but in any case, <laughs> uh, I'd like to introduce my dear friend Mark Matson, who will uh, preach today. Uh, many of you know Mark. He is uh, a former president of Dignity USA uh, and a really, really smart guy. So uh, I'm sure he'll have a lot of wonderful things to say to us. So here's Mark. Did you have to say I was a really smart guy? <laughs> First of all, it's my pleasure and privilege to be here with you today. I wish I could come every Sunday and be a part of this wonderful community. I've driven over from Columbus and I bring greetings from your sister community, Dignity Columbus, as well. I've had this fantasy many, many times of Jesus coming back for the second time and saying something like, no, 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 no. Let's try this again. And today's reading gets to that. On the altar here, I have some of the equivalents of the law today. Some of you know that I have a master's in theology. I, at one point in my life, was studying to be a priest. Um, and so I have a whole library full of stuff like that. And I hauled these down just as a symbol. Um, there's the two volumes of Richard McBrien's Catholicism. There's the Jerome Biblical Commentary, and right there smack in the center is the Catechism of the Catholic Church. <laughs> no cannibal books? No cannibal, no, I didn't have enough room in the car for all that. So, today's reading, Jesus just brings everything down. It's this simple. Love. You don't need all this. He was, you know... He was a rabbi. He understood the entanglements of the law. In fact, there was a lawyer trying to trip him up with those entanglements of the law. Um, and these things become obstacles. So Jesus does us a real favor today by talking about simplifying everything down to the law of love. And while it may be simple, it's not easy. 
I'm going to tell you a story from my seminary days. I went off to the seminary with the Paulist Fathers um, from my native Colorado and went all the way east to the novitiate in New Jersey. And um, up, I was 24, and up to that point I had been struggling a lot with my sexual orientation because there was a real problem um, between the way my body was feeling and what the church was telling me it should feel. Um, and I thought that I'd remedy that. I felt called to priesthood. And I got blindsided, or maybe uh, T-boned uh, in the seminary, uh, because something happened that I thought, I thought we'd put all this dress, and I fell in love with one of my classmates. I wasn't expecting that. It's almost like God led me to a place where my defenses were most down because I put it to the side. Um, and so I said, no, 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 we've got some things to deal with. And so at the end of my first year of seminary, Michael left, and I decided to stay on because I really did have a call, I thought. But I was very conflicted. I wanted to follow Michael to Columbus, Ohio. Um, and... Uh, I was blessed with a spiritual advisor, a Jesuit, who uh, listened to me for an entire year processing all this. And at the end of that year, he said, Mark, you need to make a decision. It's not fair to you. It's not fair to the Paulus. It's not fair to Michael to be, continue to be on the line. It's time for a choice. And so that night, I sequestered myself in the chapel of the seminary, and I use the word chapel lightly because it's this big church. But I was in there at night with the sanctuary candle. So it was me and Jesus. And I prayed for guidance. I said, please, show me which path you want me to go. And um, this is what came to me. It's one of the only times in my life I felt that I had a direct conversation with the divine. And it was, Mark, I don't care what you do. I don't care if you're a priest, a plumber, a policeman, a politician. They're all peas. I didn't know God was into alliteration. Um, all I care about is how well you love whatever you're doing and wherever you're doing it. Now I knew that wasn't from me. That was from above. Because it didn't solve my problem. I could go either path and love. But I decided that I really needed and wanted to learn how to love in the context of a committed relationship. And so I said goodbye to the Paulist and I ventured to a place I'd never really been before, which was Columbus. That's the power of love. And as I reflected on this reading, I thought, well, I'll just organize this into three nice categories. We've got love of God, love of self, um, and love of neighbor. Um, but I've been reflecting about this over the last several months, and I thought, it's just not that simple. It's really a um, trinity. Jesus knew what he was talking about with these three calls to love because they're interdependent with one another. You can't do one without the other. You cannot really love God 
without loving your neighbor. You can't experience the love of another without experiencing God's love for you, etc. I would like to share with you some vignettes from recent life um, to help break open this this uh, wonderful topic of love, which we could talk about for we could have volumes on, and there are volumes on love. Um, first is a story of a friend of mine that I met, somebody I uh, dated about ten years ago. As my relationship with Michael did not last. We were both employees of the church, and I don't need to say anything more. That became too stressful uh, for us to sustain the relationship. But Joey is somebody I dated about 10 years ago, and I recently reconnected with him over lunch. And since I last saw him, he had um, met somebody named Tony and married. They had married each other, and so we were kind of talking about this. And he said something I want to share with you. He said, I said, so how did you meet? He said, well, it started with my own reflection. He said, I realized in a reflection, I say no a lot. And I made a pledge to myself, I would say yes more often, because my no is often coming out of fear. And shortly after that, he met Tony. And it turns out that um, they had a lot in common. They were really connecting with one another. Um, And then he finds out that Tony has been married and has three adult children. And immediately it was, oh no, I'm not bargaining for this. That was the no. And he remembered what he said to himself. And he said, I'm going to say yes to this. And the rest is history. They got married, um, and they've been together 10 years now. And Joey's been, been learning a heck of a lot about love, you know, in, with Tony and his kids. Um, Joey is some, he's a self-proclaimed nerd, and when he proposed, he thought of computer programming, which has a binary code of one and two, uh, or zero and one. Zero was no in his mind, and uh, a one was yes. And so they got married in a bakery, a favorite bakery, but they asked their friends to bring pennies because the penny came to symbolize that one in the binary code, meaning yes. And so their friends brought all these pennies, and he said, and they glued them together, and they created a wall of copper. I don't know if you can do that with the mint or whatever, but they glued them together and created a wall of copper. And to this day, the penny represents yes um, every time they celebrate their anniversary. Love often means saying yes, when the safer thing is to say no. Um, but it's not binary, because there are times when saying yes is contrary to the command of loving yourself. Sometimes we have to say no. Um, I switch to another uh, subject, which is about uh, a conversation I had with my brother's wife. I have two older brothers. The oldest one passed away a few years ago from Alzheimer's, um, 13 years difference. The next one is 10 years older than I am, and he's also battling the same disease right now. Um, and my family lives out in Denver. So I go out there frequently now, and the other night I received a call from Teresa, his wife. Um, Rick's pretty far along, and uh, this is what she said to me in a text. She said, I've been awake since four. Can't seem to quiet myself. Too many different thoughts. So much concern for my children, for Rick, and even this house. The world is so much in chaos. A bit of depression and just plain sadness. 
I'll pick myself up and I'll try again to do whatever I'm supposed to do. Right now, a cup of tea is waiting for me. So we chatted um, the next evening. And um, she said to me, well, first of all, Teresa said yes to Rick 48 years ago. They said yes to each other. And when they said that yes, in her vows, she said, in sickness and in health, until death do us part. And she's now realizing the sickness part of it. Um, and so I just listened to her talk. That's one thing I know how to do. I feel the distance a great, great deal. Um, and that's my love of neighbor, is listening to my sister-in-law. Um, and she said to me yesterday, it was a great relief to talk about how I was feeling, to be able to share some of the daily happenings in my life. Her love of neighbor is her love, is patience with her husband. It's very frustrating to be caring for someone who can't remember what they did two minutes ago, who keeps moving things around the house, um, and, and she has to go finding them, and so forth and so on. She told me a story when I last was out there. She said the two of them were at the grocery store, and Rick normally helps her. He has to go with her everywhere. He, she can't leave him at home. Um, that Rick usually helps her load things on the belt, you know, to, to the cashier. And he wasn't doing it. He was just standing there. And she's saying, Rick, help me. You know, and he wasn't doing anything, so she got frustrated. So she went and grabbed the things and put them on the belt herself because she's trying to get through the line. Um, and they get out to the parking lot and they open up the car to load the groceries. And again, he's not doing anything. And once again, she gets angry and says, Rick, I need your help. She's thinking, I'm 75. He's 78, right? And she said, and I saw in his eyes hurt. And um, she said, so I went over to him and I apologized. And in his way, he acknowledged that. And then they kissed. And she said, I'm so glad we did that in the parking lot because I think everybody thought I was up to elder abuse. <laughs> um, but that's love. And that night we watched America's Got Talent together and I watched them on the sofa. He barely speaks anymore, but they were holding hands. And I thought, my brother's so lucky to have Teresa. And I want to help her as much as I can. It's important that Teresa loves herself because a caregiver can give so much. She told me, I'm tired. This takes so much energy all day long, right? And so we've talked a lot about that is uh, it's important to love yourself as well and care for her. And I go out there uh, to help relieve her because she can't do the things around the house that Rick used to do. I can do them. So even though it's uh, 1,500 miles, there's a plane that goes back and forth, um, and that's my way of loving as well. Um, so it's important that we make, that we love one another. Another story was um, we have a member of our community in Columbus, Paul Keaveny. Um, he's been with us a long time, and Paul is in memory care uh, in Columbus. He has no family. He grew up in Boston. Um, he has two adult uh, children, sons that he adopted, but they have both been in prison. Um, so there's a group of about five of us from um, Dignity 
who um, become Team Paul. So we take turns and we visit Paul um, every day. He gets visitors every day of the week. Um, we go there. So I want to tell you about Holy Thursday, the last time um, that we had Holy Week. Because I have been alienated from the Catholic Church for about 15 years now. So basically churchless. I have no place to go, which is unbelievable to me. And of course, when it's the Triduum, which is my favorite, I'm thinking I want to be, I want to be someplace. I felt the call. I had some friends that come, come for Holy Thursday service and so forth. It just wasn't in me. And so Thursdays are my night to visit Paul. So I went to, to visit Paul. Paul loves gelato, something called talenti. You'll get it in the freezer case. And so that's my, that's what I do. I bring Paul a little thing of talenti, and we share ice cream together. Um, and that's what I did that night. And I noticed that Paul um, had a lot of dry skin, a lot of flaking on his forehead and so forth. And I said, Paul, just give me a minute. I said, I want to um, get some of this off your forehead. So I found a cloth, put some ointment on it, um, skin lotion, and then rubbed his forehead to get that scaliness off and, you know, uh, and so forth. Um, and then we had our talenti. When I was driving home, I thought, I just experienced Holy Thursday. Talenti was our Eucharist. And that skin lotion was an anointing. Love. Simple, but profound. You loved Bill Valentine in a similar way. And there are countless stories in this community that I don't know about. But God gives us opportunities to love all the time, right? And, and, and I used to think that I needed to be in a committed relationship to really understand love. That's why I left the seminary. But what I've learned is, is that every single day brings us opportunities to love one another um, and to love ourselves. And in doing so, we love God. And speaking of loving God... Um, another friend of mine, Matt Wolf, is a was a meteorologist by profession, and he eventually left. He had a very demanding job with American Electric Power, forecasting the weather. Turns out that's very important to power companies, but it got very stressful, and he left. Uh, and he said, "Now what? What am I going to do now?" And that's how I met Matt because I was coaching, uh, career coaching at the time. Um, and in trying to find out how his skills would translate to perhaps other jobs, I learned that Matt has a real passion for the earth. I guess if you're a meteorologist, you would. And one of the things he liked to do was to pick up litter. Everywhere he walked around, he couldn't leave anything. He always picked it up. Um, and then he started organizing people in the neighborhood to get together on a Saturday and pick up litter together um, and so forth. He eventually started working for something called Columbus Outdoor Pursuits um, and cleaned up the riverbanks of Columbus. Simple, profound. Cleaning up the earth is loving the one who made the earth. In Genesis 2, God creates Adam from dust and breathes life into his nostrils. Pay attention to your breathing right now. Our breathing is autonomic. <coughs> 
The breath is coming and going without our even thinking about it and has been since the moment we were conceived. That's God's love for us. God placed Adam in the garden and told him to cultivate and keep the land. Contrary to what many Christians believe, this does not translate as having dominion. The Hebrew words are abad and shamar, which means to serve and to guard. God commanded the first human to serve and protect creation, to love it into prosperity as God loves us into prosperity. Pope Francis said in Laudato Si, which is his encyclical on climate change, the entire material universe speaks of God's love, his boundless affection for us. Soil, water, honey, corn, cherries, everything is, as it were, a caress of God. St. Francis of Assisi personified this when he prayed, Brother Sun, Sister Moon. Creation is our relative. Love of neighbor is also love of creation. Neighbors are not just humans. I have a cat named Gracie. She was snuggling next to my head this morning in bed. That's a habit she has. Sometimes it irritates me because she wants to groom me with her tongue, which is like, have you ever had a cat tongue, right? But it's sweet. And I thought, I never thought that maybe my partner in bed, my lover in bed, would be a cat. But at times, Gracie and I, I adopted her because of eye contact. She was in this shelter. And her eyes, like this, right? And at time, many times, I look into her eyes, and she looks in mine, and I think, creature to creature, God's love is in that cat, um, and I care for her. So, it's abundant opportunities to love. At the be- very beginning, I said, loving has been and will continue to be the greatest challenge of my life, trying to figure out when God said to me, I don't care what you do. I don't care where you go. All I care about is how well you love. Like I said, I thought that was romantic love, and I was eager to experience it at the time. Now I love know that love is mostly mundane, every day. So some of my lessons is say yes more than no. That God has made flesh in each and every one of us in this room. Our breath should remind us how we are loved by God. Loving can be profound, but it's mostly ordinary. Give to every, uh, give to others every day, but first put your oxygen mask on. The airlines taught us that lesson. The church didn't. <laughs> Forgive. I've learned the importance of forgiving. I love myself when I forgive because I let go. I'm the one, if I don't, if I hold on to a grievance, it hurts me more than anyone. So forgiving is an act of self-love. Don't compare myself to others. I do that a lot. 
because I think, you know, it just did. It's the way I was raised, because you're going to always get it better, get better, get better. Um, and the relentless pursuit of perfection is a problem. Um, I uh, have a little thought for the day, uh, and I wrote it down here. It says, no mistake is as big as the constant fear of making one. We don't earn love, it's a gift. And finally, loving God can be done by loving the universe. He and she lovingly created to be our home. God doesn't care what we do. She cares about how well we love. And as Jesus said, all the loss can be summed up in this one. Love. Thank you.